um, just like another thing that I have a problem with with this film, Atlantis. Let's, let's fucking do <laughs> We need let's, to go after this movie um, from 2001. That they very easily could have made it that they spent like four or five days in Atlantis before they took it over. Yeah. Tried to, and that they spent like 48 hours. Yeah. And it's I'm less like, than that. They so, literally stay overnight and then overnight. they betray them. And so then it's kind of, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense <laughs> that people would betray that guy and care about Atlantis enough for them to switch sides. And so yeah. I'm like, you're right. This film about Atlantis doesn't make it sense. It doesn't make fucking sense. Hey, the Leviathan's really right. sick, though. Yeah, that's it's really. And literally every character is flies. And out. the thing is, <laughs> and the thing is, like we're gonna, we're gonna, even mole. We're gonna like, oh I yeah, mean, not mole. <laughs> we're gonna take it back. I forgot about. <laughs> we have just pulled this film apart, and again, much like National Treasure, I look cookie? forward to, <laughs> to watching it. to watching it all over again. Wait, are you saying Cookie as well? Uh no. I take back everything I said. <laughs> said. I think the cook from that fucking movie is my spirit animal. <laughs> <laughs> but the mechanic for sure, and the mm-hmm. evil Helga. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. And the the guy with the, all the TNT and the oh Vince. Oh, uh, just office supplies. That guy, paper yeah. clips. That's very good. Um, <laughs> That's the guy who sounds like he's doing a Kevin Klein impression <laughs> doing a character, which is uh, several layers of Yeah, um, I mean, it's incredible work is what <laughs> it's, it is. It's voice acting master. <laughs> An absolute man untouched <laughs> in his field. Humble, but ever ready to hear the call. <laughs> so you're coming increasingly like 1920s speech from Britain. For Britain <laughs> and His Majesty the King. <laughs> we shall ever like, be known. It's becoming a sermon. It's becoming a sermon. And now into a sermon. <laughs> a sermon of yeah. the passion of the Christ. <laughs> but I do not now have love. Now you just love. went to Collins for Brian Prejudice. I am Prejudice. but a no- noisy gong or a clanging <laughs> cymbal. How has it become Snape hey. a little bit? Uh, Snape. <laughs> <laughs> Potter, oh Alan God! Rickman. All right, I think I think, we're, <laughs> I think we were good about two Ten minutes, minutes ago. Everybody and welcome back to the Music and Everything podcast. My name is Jim and I'm here with the one and only Sam Gray and the other one and only Sam Gray. It's great to see you guys. Hey. Hello. Hi. Uh, how have you been? We recorded two episodes today. I want you to know that we're, this is the second episode that we've recorded today. So I'm only pretending if I'm asking them how they've been. Hey, Sam, how have you been, man? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not too bad. Just keep it busy. You know, yeah, guys. yeah. You got to yeah, keep nah. busy. It's important, yeah. What about you, Sam? How are you doing? You all right? I am fine. Yeah. Yeah. Still as fine as you were like before? Yeah, mic. like pretty... Like, <laughs> Over lunch. If we could just actually, Dale, if you could just copy paste our responses <laughs> yeah, from the previous episode, that would be great. Dale. Thank you, Dale. <laughs> so on today's episode, very exciting, we're going to be covering 
zookeeping. Now, I know some of you listeners out there might be thinking, how the fuck can we be doing this? <laughs> Given that the whole point of the podcast is that we're looking to find the joy in things, the excitement in things, particularly things we don't know much about. Um, and zookeeping, of course, does have some dark history and even some dark present as well. Now, we're not going to shy away from that, but we do want to find some of the happiness in it. And Samantha, you're wearing our chief investigator hat today. So you are in charge of the zoo. <laughs> It is a bit like a zoo when I'm with the two of you, yes. Yes, particularly uh, episode, nice one. episode two of a day is always a bit... Yeah, it's fun, yeah. that's for sure. It's a bit weird. It's it a- must be hell in there. Talk to me about zoos and why do we keep them? <sighs> Wait, why do, we, why do we keep zoos? Why, why is zoos kept? Why, <laughs> why, why is it keeping the why zoos? Why is it a keep zoo? Why, um, is it, why is it called zoo keeping? Why is it called zoo keeping? I mean, yeah. I actually... Don't you, know you've why. You stumped us with that. Yeah, <laughs> Immediately. Why is it? Immediately. Yeah, but I feel like the thing is, the implication is that, like, uh, to zoo. Because <laughs> the zoo is a verb. Wait a second. I can't believe. Or zoo itself means nothing and keeping is the verb. I love how instead of an etymology break, we've started with an etymology, like, Quandary. sinkhole. <laughs> like, um, well, the episode's broken now. All right. So we've started with an etymology paradox. Um, so zoo, if I recall, is a word for animal. Well, yeah, zoological. Well, in that case, it's just fucking animal keeping then. And the answer is fucking right in front of us the whole time. Um, The the real zoo. Maybe I should have led with that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Zoology. Yeah. Comes from the Greek zoin. 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 Z-O-I-O-N. Z-O-I-O-N. Zoin. Which means animal. I know. And then logia, which means study, which whatever. Okay, great. We, we so where's kipio? Is that in? Um, <laughs> so then, so so zoology, the study of animals. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then there's the zoological society. Yes. The London Zoo- Zoological Society was the first zoological society, and they had. They didn't want zoos. to give stuff away. They Basically, they were it. just like they were like we are just going to call the place where we keep the things a zoo. Yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And Clever. then to keep the things, you're because so they're called zoos, and then there yeah. are zoo keepers, and they're yeah. the people who work at the zoo. Keep the zoo. All right, so, they're so keepers of the zoo. Do, okay, so <laughs> is that we're all good then? Do we we get, that's it. Look, we're are not you a, kept. No. <laughs> we're all good. Okay, I'm cool. going to need your assistance all through this episode. Okay, beautiful. Um, so. I guess the first question we should answer is why do we have zoos in the first place? Where do they come from? Where do they go? Where do they come from? If you do come on, Joe, if you're the fuck. <laughs> Too late. Fuck. Um, so. Okay, because things are nice to look at and sometimes things are far away. Actually, this will be fun. How long ago, in uh, what year in do you think year? was the first Zoo. The first formal zoo called a zoo by the zoological society. No, the first collection of animals kept. Ah, that's a very different question, I think. Isn't that like what it just a herd of sheep is? No, yeah, but a various, a varied collection. Because it's for the for the purpose of observation, right? Not like a sheep, a thing to look at. Yeah, yeah. So when do you think that that first happened? When do you think the first one of those was? Um, sixty thousand Scovilles. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say... Are you going to have to listen to the previous episode <laughs> to even fucking get that reference? Um, uh, when do you reckon? Um, I'm going to say <laughs> 2000 BCE. You are going to say the year 2021. <laughs> you're, um, I want to say you're not that far off. You're 1500. That's far. That's but a big time. in the time. grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of time... 
So yeah. far. So, okay. <laughs> archaeological digs in the ancient Egyptian city of Nekan found buildings from around 35,000 BC, which contained remains of hippos, baboons, and elephants. Did you say 3,500 or 35,000 BC? 3,500. Okay. <laughs> 3,500 BC. 3, I know how to read numbers. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, and the point that the reason why they believe that this was a kind of zoo of sorts was because hippos, baboons, and elephants, what do they all have in common? They are not um, native to Egypt. Okay, yeah. Sorry, that was a rhetorical <laughs> question. Say, I was, I, I was, <laughs> we went mouth. so many different directions where you actually went correctly to thinking what would be common between different animals? And I just went so far deep into question marks <laughs> that I was just like, what could it be? Yeah. <laughs> um, what do they so, have in common? A soul. <laughs> the first zoos that were created, these ones that predate this kind of concept of a zoological garden or a zoological society sort of collection, mm-hmm. um, were just kind of markers of the status of kings and emperors. So essentially they were the more kind of exotic animals you had, mm-hmm. It was kind of a status. <coughs> You're a rich person that has a mansion with tigers on the lawn. Yes. With a peacock. <laughs> and then these sort of menageries, as they mm-hmm. were probably ref- as they were referred to, these menageries of different animals eventually became also subjects of um, early scientific studies because they could right. then observe the animals. They could um, and do all other sorts. They're just they just fucking look at them. And look at them. Just look at them. <laughs> just like uh, look look at, what, check them out. What, what do you think? So, what, what is he up to over there? Emperor Charlemagne, we're going to come into the... (laughs) Just jumping forward. There's not a lot that happens. We've gone from like, all right, it turns out that hippos are not actually native to uh, this area. (coughs) Anyway, Emperor Charlemagne. (laughs) So coming into the 8th century, you then have sort of more um, uh, of like concrete evidence that there was this kind of exchange of exotic animals and there was the collection to look at. So uh, Emperor Charlemagne received gifts from the monarchs of Africa and Asia in forms of animals such as elephants and things like that and they would keep them. Um, And then there's there's more and more examples of of essentially people, but it was just the kings and the the emperors, and it was mm-hmm. for them alone. They were not open to the public. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just that like your average Joe can't afford like a little hippo exhibit. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, it's like the only yeah. hippo exhibit is a picture he keeps in his house, shows his kids. You see that? You <laughs> fucking run. That thing is a killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> and and but and it was so. It was for emperors to show off their status to other wealthy people, to other people in the court. And so there was probably a lot of people that didn't know that there was just like a hippo somewhere nearby because they, they didn't <laughs> know what that was. Or yeah. in the world at all. What is this monstrous creature? And so in France in the 1600s, they would also keep animals, but that was for less nice purposes right. such as Fighting and things oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, and see, yeah. we should we should like talk about that a little bit because that's really old. Like humans have been keeping animals for horrible entertainment purposes for a really long time. I mean, mm-hmm. like Roman gladiatorial arenas. Oh, yeah, that's, 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 I mean, like that's the first thing that jumps to mind for me. But that's because yeah. I'm a like a nerd that was born in 1986, and there was a whole thing about that. Uh, yeah, growing up. Yeah, and the film Gladiator. And the film Gladiator, Gladiator, starring Russell Crowe. Yeah, and so they basically started, (laughs) there began to be this kind of distinction between sort of public, um, the public's kind of interaction with animals in this kind of concept of these fighting sort of context and then Mm. the menageries that existed as like in the, as they were called, pleasure gardens of the the, um, sort of elite. 
So the animals kept for fighting or plesia. Actually, no. <laughs> Take all of them. Take all of them. Okay. So, so if we're talking about fighting, right? So yeah. like, these are like the equivalent of like a uh, cockfight, but with yeah. hippos or some shit. With like, yeah, and like lions and tigers and bears. Okay. Oh my. Uh, yes, okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. What's going on with you? <laughs> What's my... <laughs> yeah, sorry. but it's sort of interesting, the idea of a menagerie, because you know, like nowadays, a lot of zoos that you go to in Australia, they're like got this ecological focus and about conservation. But yeah. The zoos and menageries and the lineage of it is all about like, haha, see how we have mastered nature. Yes. Mm. Which is sort of like almost an inversion yeah. of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and especially because in these pleasure gardens, the animals weren't necessarily free to roam. They were often kept in um, cages around mm. the perimeter of the gardens. And this is where we start seeing very uh, distinct similarities to some of the early zoos. So you start getting some of the early zoos... Um, in like the 1828s, zoos by the name that we call them, the London Zoo. Um, and these were for purely scientific purposes. Okay. So rather than just having them for the sake of having them, this was about kind of like understanding physiology and things like that. Yeah. But they were kept in these very similar structures of the cages. Yeah, I mean, this mm. is cowboy science, right? This is yes. This is not like modern kind of scientific method stuff. It's like, science! <laughs> but <laughs> we, <also> have, <laughs> we electrical the elephants just to see! But also, you know, like, and you know, anybody who's been like a researcher now knows in an institution or something that the amount of stuff you have to go through with ethics, the bureaucracy and stuff yeah. to make sure that what you're doing doesn't harm yeah. animals exactly. or humans unnecessarily. But it's just like in that era, there was just nothing of the sort. Who gives a fuck? Yeah. And so you have More this- like Batman villain era of science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you have this like very consistent for like several centuries, this very consistent sort of trend of- um, keeping animals in this way where they're, they're kind of there either to just be gawked at by the public and just mm -hmm. to be seen mm -hmm. or they're there for um, sort of medical student purposes where they would right. be able to observe phy physiology and things like that or they're just there for the sake of having them because obviously there's always wealthy As people. As a status symbol. Yeah, there's always mm -hmm. wealthy people who want to show off their wealth in very that's, obscure that's ways. That's still true as well. And, and the owner of the last unicorn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so what you end up having is there's this... Transition that ends up happening in like the um, early, I'm just getting my century, 20th century, where you have Carl Hagenbeck, which is a very German name. I have a sprint that's pronounced like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Hagenbeck. Like, Hagenbeck, get me my coffee. Um, and he was uh, a international trader of animals and he's from Hamburg. Uh -huh. um, and he was essentially the instigator of the transition away from the cage style right. to oh. a more of a uh, enclosure, what we kind of see. Moving in towards a more humane, humane version, of, version of this. I'm curious because you, you said like his title, you know, like his job was like animal, international animal trader does not. That's no, does not lend itself. ethical approach to me. Yeah. So <laughs> he... He went on a he went on a journey. Let's just say that much. So to Damascus. No. So why are we doing Jesusy bits today? And um, road to Damascus. It's a Christian. Yeah, but that was uh, yeah. Yep. Sure. Um, <laughs> so he didn't start off. As anyway, being here's the thing about the, Saul of Tarsus. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't start off being the sort of like champion of animal rights. In eight, in the 1880s, he had a zoo which exhibited people. Exotic people. Oh my god! So Shit. it had animals alongside the indigenous peoples of Australia and of North America. Jesus living and then I have a little thing next to this note that just says "ooh," um, because that's <laughs> fucked. And yeah, Ew, it's so horrific. Um, 
and so then like he for what, again for like gawking observation scientific purposes yeah it's fucked and this is the thing that's like they're talking fuck. about the darkness of this kind of the because we we in australia have this really kind of like conservation folk forward as you were saying sam mm-hmm. conservation forward thanks to the work of people like steve Owens. yes that like the way that our zoos function are more about helping these animals stay alive and the species continue yeah that was really not the case in this time See, period. See, here's my thing. Like, I knew this was going to get dark on account of, like, animal mistreatment and mm-hmm. shit like that. I didn't think it was going to get this fucking crazy. Yeah. Human zoo. It's like something out of fucking science fiction. That's yeah, it's if pretty I, um, If I recall, the, one of the last people um, to be held in a zoo was in, like, 19... <sighs> that's already too late. <laughs> like, 20-something, I think. Yeah, that's fucked. It was the pygmy man held in Brooklyn. Yes, you're so right. Yeah. Yes. Right. Anyway, 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 moving right along, so, and it was fucked, and we acknowledge it was completely. So he fucked. he he did that, and then in 1907 he decided to open another zoo on his own, and he was the first to deploy what they call barless exhibits. So they had the moats structure, and they put them in environments, and they made the environment as close to what it would be like right. in the wild. So similar as to what we're seeing kind of oh. today, but probably smaller. Well, Much smaller, yeah. yeah. Do, do we know if this was for any any semblance of humane things? Or was it just because, like, oh, this is another kind of exhibit? Like, it's did we accidentally create a more humane Yeah, by, zoo? by trying to capture the drama. Of <laughs> like, I, I do believe that land, it, it was... I'm going to pretty confidently say that it had nothing to do with wanting to better the conditions for the animals yeah, and yeah. everything to do if with, this like... this was a cunt who fucking held people in a Yeah, zoo, like, he was we not... Accidentally, he accidentally created a more humane environment. <laughs> exactly. Through profit. Yeah. <laughs> and so what's really interesting is they've, they've done a lot of comparisons to this kind of structure and that a lot of people started taking on this structure across Europe in particular. Um, and a lot of the principles of, the, of his construction of his zoo are still maintained to this day in the way that we construct zoos. Whoa. And so you've got the like the moat structure and and it was about basically trying to display them in the most authentic way possible and it was also the first time that they started doing what they call layered ecology where you'd have more than one animal in an enclosure. Right. So you would have like giraffes and zebras mm-hmm. because they would be animals. Do we say that zebras w- or do we say zebras? I say zebras. That's wrong. Yeah. Mm, Yankee fucking scumbag. There's no need to- <laughs> Why don't you go back to fucking New York? Fucking, fuck, yeah. Fucking Yankee Stadium, burn it to the ground. Um, Because <laughs> you're a Mets fan. So they would have that. fucking Sox fan. He also did this thing called an uh, ecological layered view where you would have like a layered thing and there would be gaps between the layers and they'd have predators at the back and prey at the front. What a great contribution. You uh, can't fuck off. It's fucking weird. But what is what is pretty uh, fascinating from this is that he, this is a man that accidentally stumbled upon principles and practices that we now kind of continue. Yeah, that's crazy. But that's fascinating though because it means that he was thinking, oh, we've got to create the as realistic an impression of the habitat for the viewers. Because won't that be sick? Won't that be cool to look at? Mm. Won't that be Because he was moving away amazing. from a taxonomic structure of yeah. animal display where it wasn't really about like, this is this creature. It's like the wonders of nature type thing. Yeah. yeah but the thing is, is that, you know, a modern zoo, like say Melbourne Zoo or something, a very ethical zoo. If mm. they they make these enclosures for the animals to see it as as much as the habitat as possible, yeah. not the humans. Mm. And in fact, Which that's some very, of the zoos again, is that change that you in perspective. Well, in some ways, like I went to the Adelaide Zoo recently, and it actually had things where it was kind of difficult to see into some of the enclosures because the animals 
got stressed by it. And so their primary focus wasn't necessarily on display. And we also have in a lot of Australian zoos the principle of we don't force the animals to be out in the enclosure if they don't yeah. want to be out in the enclosure, if they want to be inside and be like snuggly. Is this because of the focus towards... I suppose preservation and education over observation kind of thing. Correct. Because like Correct. We're, we're, we've now got animals that are, you know, endangered in some way. You know, they're close to extinction, but we've got some here because we want to be able to, A, make sure that they survive and that we've got some, <laughs> that we can yeah. keep them on the planet. Yeah. But also, even if you can't see them, here's a whole stack of information about them that's really important. Yeah, there's like know. almost three tenants of zoos these days, mm. which is... Mm-hmm. Uh, what is called education, scientific research, um, and conservation. Right. And I mean, in a modern context, scientific research means using the scientific method instead of like a car battery for fun. Yes. Absolutely. Jesus. Um, so as a contrast to these old horror stories and stuff, um, here's the Melbourne Zoo's like mission thing that they've got on their website. Let's fucking go. So our vision is to fight extinction to secure a future rich in wildlife. That's, that's number one, right? Yeah. Top of so the already bell. we're like Home miles Home away Home. from the yeah. menagerie. Um, as a world-leading zoo-based conservation organization, we'll fight wildlife extinction through um, stuff to support critically endangered animals, uh, partnering with community to create the world's most wildlife-friendly society. So it's also about changing society, On providing whole, yeah. profound zoo-based animal encounters to connect people with wildlife and being financially sustainable. Good, good goals. <laughs> nice one. I, I would like. The, I like the idea that it's just like if you can get kids and this is why it's kind of cool to get kids in the zoo if you can get kids kind of into something it's going to last like we talked about this in the dinosaurs episode the weird kind of like Mm. unique majesty of dinosaurs being really appealing to kids but it's just like all of our wonder towards dinosaurs is childlike it's like because of how we were raised and Mm. you know so if we like raise kids with the idea of the majesty of the animal kingdom <laughs> yeah. To use that term again. <laughs> Fucking throwback to the uh, very first episode we ever did. Um, you know, the the animal sort of kingdom being, you know, a part of uh, someone's upbringing, then surely that's going to be something that sticks with them for good. Yeah. So this reinvention of zoo design in the sec- kind of happened in the second half of the 20th century. Um, and there was basically a great interest, not so much in like biology specifically, but this idea of like the social life of animals. And so Understanding kind of, what their dynamic is what, like. Yeah, what are, What's like, the vibe What is like their there? situation? And so it kind of needed to be, they actually had to shift it in order to genuinely get a sense of how animals behave with each other. They then had to make it so that the exhibits were more appropriate for the animals and prioritizing the animals' needs, like you were saying with the Melbourne Zoo, prioritizing the animals' needs over the needs of the people observing them. Yeah, right. See, that's awesome. Which is really great. Yeah. And like I said, when I went to the Adelaide Zoo, they actually had put up a um, like a scaffold and they've covered the window, the usual window you'd be able to see the bonobos because the bonobos were having a moment and needed to not <laughs> needed be disturbed. Space. I love the idea of a bonobo having a moment. Well, what they, As though that's not trying to kill a small boy. So they said that they were having up. They were like, please be quiet as you go past. They are, the bonobos are having uh, behavioural management issues. Okay, that, that's like a fucking Jurassic Park moment. Man. Yeah. That'd be fucking terrifying. Bonobos yeah. are too smart. They're too close to us to oh, be trusted. And they're also right fucking next door to mandrakes. And I'm like, fuck... Oh. That. Wait, hang on. Is a mandrake? It's a, a real kind thing? of primate. Yeah, it's the ones with the big teeth. 
A mandrake? Are you it's, sure? Because that's from Harry Potter. It's like the mandrake is like a mystical plant. Is it a man? Is it not a mandrake? It's like the root that they chop up to give oh, to you the mean basilisk. A manticore. Maybe I mean a mandrill. <laughs> oh no, I mean a mandrill. A mandrill. Okay. Mandrill. Just setting aside all of the penis jokes that include a joke about a duck's weird corkscrew penis. Uh, we're just gonna we're just gonna skim right past all of those. The last time I was in a zoo was in Melbourne Zoo. Samantha's showing me a picture of a mandrill, and it's uh, a bit fucking spooky, dude. It's really scary. They're really I would, scary I would guys. say that's a b- baboon. Am I wrong no, about that? that? No, they're b- baboon adjacent. B- well, we're all the- fucking baboon adjacent. <laughs> baboon adjacent. <laughs> Stop drumming. <laughs> Stop drumming to the things that I say. Um, this I- is a baboon. Oh, you're right. There is a picture of a everybody baboon. Everybody look. Um, everybody look at the picture of a baboon. Everybody look at the baboon. Everyone look up a baboon right now. Look up a baboon. <laughs> and that's a baboon's butt. <laughs> would you stop drumming? Baboons. Okay. <laughs> okay. What were you saying, baboons. my love? Um, I was saying that the last time I was in a zoo was going to Melbourne Zoo, um, which is a beautiful zoo. Mm, um, I love that zoo. And there was a, like this big loop section that we were seeing. Um, it was elephants and orangutans. And elephants, they had just moved from the other enclosure, which was a bit smaller. And they'd actually made this massive space for them that was all dusty. Which again, to a human s- eye, it looks like, oh, that's bad. But elephants are like, they have, yeah! they have ponds as well. Because they like oh, to fucking love this. Because they like to rub themselves in the dirt and then go into the water and then rub themselves in the dirt and then go into and the water. They, they, were, they were actually, when we were there, feeding them watermelons. And they just sort of eat them like a big grape. Like, <laughs> they just sort of pick them up with their trunk and just, like, <laughs> and just like like break open. Like like, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. So they had like, I don't know, like a ute <laughs> with watermelon. <laughs> That's a pickup for anyone in... Uh... Oh, oh, yeah. 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 A, 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 a utility vehicle of some kind. Um, yes. And don't they also feed them like whole like plants of bananas? Like they don't... It's like, yeah, yeah. It's like you know, like whole... we have a hand, but it's like the fucking whole situation. Yeah, I, I fed a banana. I fed a banana. <laughs> I don't know where to go with this. No, I, I fed an elephant a whole branch of bananas once. It was amazing. Yeah, they're so magical. It's But it's also like kind of the intimidating thing of like, you could just crush my head. Yeah. <laughs> you could just so easily crush my head and, and break my bones. It was the orangutans which really got to me though because they- They uh, got under your skin. Yeah. It's just the things they say. Well, and their, their enclosure was amazing because they had so much- You walk so past much... and there's just like a little muttering and then one of them laughs and you're like, oh. <laughs> it wasn't so much- <laughs> Like maybe, like I don't know. <laughs> you don't fucking know. Uh, um, they had like this that kind of enclosure where it's like this almost like this huge like cave pit thing with tons of like tree like structures that they can swing around on. Amazing. There's just one guy, you know, like just one ape, just like with a towel over his head, swinging wildly, <laughs> having the best time. That's right. Yeah, you mentioned this. this yes, is yes, yes. Such a beautiful memory. Yeah, yeah. And they I, had I walked, like a tire swing. <laughs> they had a tire swing. Yeah, it was, and they loved it. Um, I, I was walking out of there, and uh, Sam, we were going. Okay, well, let's go on to the next thing. And I was like, we had to stop because I had to just quickly just cry for a second, <laughs> and then we could keep Cause going because so I'd just beautiful. seen elephants. I'd just seen um, orangutans be um, beautiful and, and sort of human like, really human. And yeah, I'd had a profound experience with mm. nature there. Yeah. And then the last time I saw an orangutan was at Adelaide Zoo and it was raining and he did not want to have anything to do with anyone. Mm -hmm. So he was just like, had his little blankie and he just went into the back (laughs) corner and he put his blanket over him and he just was like in a ball. And I was like, fair enough, my guy, it's fucking raining. Same. And he he was just like, I was like, oh, God, (laughs) I get it. Was he one of the ones with the big like- Yeah, he had a big face. The big face? He is Smartran. 
I think it's Sumatran. Suma- born. Yeah, because it's a different kind. There's only three of them. There's time. Sumatran, the Borneo one. Yes. And then there's a third one that I can't fucking remember. Dave. Sulawesi. <laughs> then there's Dave. Dave. <laughs> this one orangutan yeah, with the I mean, biggest plate face you've ever seen. And so what you're talking about. Has to go through doors sideways. <laughs> <laughs> can't go on the tie swing anymore, can Dave? Dave is the tie swing. So you're talking about the orangutan enclosure. So yes. that's the other thing that's kind of more recently been happening is this idea of enrichment. Okay. enrichment in their enclosure and so they've actually figured out that like it's not even just a matter of providing the animals with food you have to be almost providing them with food in such a way that they're actually developing the skills they need if, even if they weren't in an enclosure rather than mm. feeding them as pets yeah exactly so making so, food available in a way that they have to then hunt down or something. so they're like for the primates a lot of the primates they will just sprinkle seeds in the grass and they then have to pick through and grab them like they would elsewhere how, how do they do that with a big tiger boy or a bear man. I think a lot of the time because I think I don't think they let them hunt, but they do. <laughs> <laughs> they just let them out. At well, one time of day is the time of day you don't go to the zoo because they just let them out to hunt. <laughs> no, they, they will just feed them. They will just feed them, um, yeah. you know, carcass. But Well, there's all carcass, the crazy yeah. shit with the crocs in... Uh, Aussie Zoo. Australia Zoo, yeah. Where it's like, this one of those ones where you kind of like... We put up a fence. It's not... It's, it's, <laughs> you can't just have the, the moat because that's where they go and yeah. they are giant. They haven't changed. Yeah, they're <laughs> ancient and it's it's absolutely wild. But it's like, I love zoos for that because you, you get to see animals in their natural environment, which means you occasionally get to see a lion on its back bapping at a plant hmm. because they're cats. Yeah. Yeah, and they're very, very chill, happy lions. Yeah, they're they don't just have fine. to worry about much. Yeah, <laughs> stress-free lions. Yeah. It still makes a very scary sound when they feed them. And then oh, you just got like forever the gorilla just sitting there eating some lettuce. Yeah. And then the baby gorilla just like harassing the dad. And it's just like so sweet and lovely. Yeah, I, th- I think watching primates, I think this is one of the cool things about sort of uh, like conservation zoos and the like is that you firstly get to see these sort of at-risk creatures, particularly at-risk primates. But also it, it it's kind of like how astronauts describe leaving the planet and looking at it from space, standing on the moon, looking at Earth and going like, holy fuck, everyone that has ever lived or died ever has been on that tiny little spot that I'm looking at. Um, it's similar to that because it's a really sort of like humbling thing to bear witness to another primate and relate to it. So very, 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 very much. Like if you ever had any doubts about... Uh, evolution or how close we are to them in terms of like uh, being related. Do you see some of the behaviors, particularly when it comes to kids uh, because kids are the same, no matter where you are in the world, no matter what language you speak, mm. human kids are the same. And that behavior is reflected in primates yeah. in such a familiar way as mm. well, particularly an exhausting, exhausted looking dad. <laughs> so yeah. like if, I, if I see that, I'm like, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> yeah. That on chimp either. looks exactly the same. <laughs> but I, yeah. lo- but you're, I love that as well. Cause you see all of those, um, like you've got, uh, all these videos online of people showing like an orangutan, like a newborn. Yeah. And they're like, they understand what that is. They're like, hey, hey, man. And hey, then they'll also go like, baby. come over here. And some and one of them has like a little newborn baby. Look and they're this. like, look at this. Orangutan's That's a small one as well. <laughs> We've got small ones too. Yeah, we made this. Yeah. And I, I just love it because the, the recent experience going to a zoo when it's raining was actually a really interesting experience. Because a lot of the times when you go to the zoo, the weather is pretty much pristine mm-hmm. because you're outside all day yeah. and so as humans we don't like being in the rain um it's unless wet. we it's wet it's, it's wet. wet and so a lot of the time when you are at a zoo a lot of the enclosures 
have animals in them because they're also happy to be outside. Yeah. Going around a zoo in the rain was a really interesting experience because you really got a sense of like, these animals really do be just doing what they want to do. Yeah. And so there were so many enclosures that you would walk past that were just like, the peers did not want to be outside today. Yeah. So they are not outside <laughs> today. They didn't want to. The giraffes are outside, but that's just because they can't be inside. There's no <laughs> house There's no house tall Plus enough. their heads are above the clouds. They don't know it's raining. <laughs> they can't tell. Um, and they so, had to build a like tall church for them to walk in. Oh my God. There was no birds. None of the birds were outside. They were all in there their little no houses. <laughs> there were what? There was no birds. There no was birds. no birds. Then really a lot of the only animals that you got to see were like the, the monkeys because they, they just chill in trees, so they're kind of yeah. used to this environment. Nothing will stop them fucking around. The cassowary, <laughs> but that's because... That's it because nothing, nothing will stop it hunting and it's watching It stared you. me directly in the eye. Yeah. It's seen the void and now it is maddened. Yeah, um, oh, and like, and then if you went into any of like the reptile houses and stuff, obviously they they're were. They're having the fucking time of their lives. <laughs> yeah, they're just like, mm, cozy so times. The the exhibit, they're just like, mm, 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 I'm a little frog and it's Wednesday. <laughs> Orangutans are a great way to think about how conservation um, works in terms of zoos and like why conservation zoos are important so yes. i came across two terms which are really useful um which are basically like two 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 types of species conservation mm-hmm. one's in situ and ex situ in situ situ, ex situ. what did i in. say no i'm just making it really clear <laughs> okay. abundantly yeah. clear i love how i just assumed that so was saying it right like in, in the listening. environment and know. external to the environment in the environment yeah. out of the environment yeah so like in the environment is like on site you're protecting the habitat you're protecting the animal yep but you're also protecting the animal's relationship to the habitat. Because what happens when you remove an animal from the habitat, obviously... Uh, you make it impossible for it to return. Yeah, yeah, because it doesn't know how to climb those trees anymore. It doesn't know all the tricks that has been passed down by mm-hmm. generations. And you also have to be careful, I suppose, in that to not have too much human interaction with the animals so that it doesn't get used to you being there. Yeah, yeah but human interaction is exactly the reason why in situ, like on in habitat yes. conservation is very, very difficult because the habitat itself is being destroyed. Yeah. So habitats are being destroyed and there's loss. So there's nowhere for them to actually be. So that's orangutans, that's why they're a really good example because right. they're very endangered because um, of habitat loss. Yeah. Um, then you have ex situ, so offsite. So that's basically sanctuaries and zoos. So the idea behind that is that you're preserving the animal itself. So preserving its genes and its population. Right. Which in some cases becomes very dire when you've so got like the about, only two So we're talking about pandas and shit. Yeah, exactly. Because they're idiots. Yeah. I mean, just fuck. Well, you know and what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, is, it is important <laughs> to mention that many animals in zoos these days are born and bred in the zoos. So a lot of the animals that you see on, exib- on exhibition fully are fully raised in captivity and they have no way of living outside of that environment. Um, and yeah. there's very few wild animals that come in. And if they do, it's because they're profoundly injured. And they can't be in Yeah, out. it's like me trying to camp. <laughs> um, yeah, so like the bottom line of this is that like obviously you need the offsite, you need the zoos, you need to preserve populations when they're going to be disappear otherwise. Yes. But you, there's a limit to that because you could like, yeah, you have a, as they do, like chimp breeding programs and stuff. Yeah. And like to, and the panda breeding programs such as they are. And <laughs> chimp breeding program is just Fortitude Valley on a Saturday night. Jesus God. <laughs> Jesus <Boy>. God. <laughs> But there's a limit to that. I mean, it's like uh, there, there's a, you can't have like. What <laughs> <laughs> an awful thing to say <laughs> uh, about my home city. Go on. Um, you know, obviously that's a limited thing, so you need both. But it kind of shows how much like the ethical zoo is 
so important. So if you have, have someone who's sort of critiquing the idea of conservation zoos, mm-hmm. which is fair enough, but I think my response to that is just, they are just so necessary to keep. They're not the only thing. They're almost like a backstop. Yeah. They're There's like a, an ecology I, backstop. I yeah. do think that, and a lot of zookeepers who would say that like this is the last resort, obviously, and this is like the whole, like uh, the Irwin's whole message, which is yeah. our kind of like the our famous conservationist family in Australia, they have a principle of the zoo is there to to keep these animals kind of that can't be in the wild, um, like living and, and happy. Mm-hmm. But they also do have an external focus where they are working with like Wildlife Warrior Fund, which are trying to mm-hmm. preserve and maintain the natural environments for animals. Besides, I think one of their most effective and lasting things has been exactly what I was talking about before, which is getting people emotionally invested and attached and educated about wildlife, particularly Australian wildlife, through, I mean, like he's been dead a long time now, but through like the charisma and energy and love of Steve Irwin, it's so contagious that it's like we do consider Australian wildlife to be precious. And that's not just in Australia as well. You mentioned Steve Irwin anyway. Like people know who he is. Yeah. So it's like he's had a global impact and Terry and his family as well. They've had a global impact on the way that we view Australian wildlife. And I think that's like... That's massive. Like that's mm. more, that's more impactful than even just the on the ground conservation efforts. Yeah. You know, spreading the good word about the nature of conservation efforts. Yeah, and also like they have done the Irwins themselves have done a lot to um, talk about some of our most precious animals that are very unique to Australia, like the crocodiles that we have here, mm-hmm. and create less of a fear around them and less of like a. Not and not in the sense of like having an understanding that there are animals that function in a particular way, and then yeah. if you're safe around them and you know what to look out for, you will be fine. Yeah, and probably. they often probably. I mean, they're, I they're mean, still he animals. D- he did. He did die from an animal at yeah, one point. So it's kind of like everything. Wasn't within, a croc though. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no, but I mean, like but, within reason, it's just kind of like but, you know you have to respect that they're an animal in a habitat rather than a yeah, monster. Is what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And also the fact that it's like they are very against culling. Oh, of yeah. any response to any animal attack, especially when you've gone into their fucking territory. Exactly. Interestingly, yeah. I think that is kind of broadly understood to be the 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 method, particularly in Australia. Like I know when we were talking about the in the Brisbane episode, we were talking about like the curlies taking over the playground. It's just like, well, you just leave them alone, or like, you know, just don't go near where the magpies are. That kind of instead yeah. of moving things on. There was recently uh, like a pretty bad thing that happened on Gari, which is um, a, a woman got attacked by a pack of wild dingoes and she survived. Like she got bit a lot and, you know, she managed to escape. But the fact is she went for a run by herself mm. on the beach in dingo territory, which is something that is like, it's just a no-no. Yeah, you just like, can't do it. It is one of those things that is known. Yeah. About Gari. Like you, you mm. shouldn't be doing that. Um, and she suffered the consequences and that sucks. Mm. Um, but the response from just the general populace was like, that was really dumb. Do not kill these animals. Yeah. And from, you know, the experts as well, they went, no, we're not going to fucking cull these animals. No. They were operating as they do in their habitat. So it's like, mm. I don't know if that's just like a broadly understood thing but or, or part of the legacy of the Irwin family and what yeah. they brought to Australian yeah. kind of conservation effort and stuff like that. But I love that. I actually really yeah. love that. Despite the fact that, of course, very scary, wouldn't want it to happen to anybody. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad she's okay. But it's just like, she wandered into the fucking velociraptor enclosure. Yeah, you know I what mean, I mean? On, yeah, and and honestly, frequently great white shark attacks, they'll cull the sharks if they're, if yeah. they're going to attack someone. Yeah. And it's kind of like, 
Fuck off. Our domain is not the sea. Yeah, it's like, it's like we were like, in their house, my guy. Yeah. Like, what? It, and I think like there's been so many stories as well of people who are like avid like surfers and things like that who have been bitten by sharks and have made it very clear if you fucking call these sharks, I'm going to be so pissed off at Don't you. Don't fucking do it. I was in their house. And this is where the, the function, like really, if we're talking about what what is a zoo to us now? What is it mm. doing? How is it? What is its role in our society? And honestly, education is first and foremost its function as lo- alongside conservation. Yeah. But they kind of, I think, see those two elements as being hand in hand. You can't have genuine conservation without educating people about our relationship with about animals, their relationship with the natural environment, our relationship with the natural environment, and our relationship with animals. And that is a part of it. So that's, I think, one of the... And, like, people have always... Been, humans have always been fascinated with animals. That's why we draw them on walls that's why cave paintings were predominantly of animals we've always been fascinated by the natural world zoos have now have gone through a journey of simply uh, occupying a space of pure fascination of animals without the care for animals into a space that is all about understanding our relationship with animals and the the role that we often have in their destruction and like that's the thing that was really interesting about going to the Adelaide Zoo and walking around was it wasn't just information about the animals. It wasn't just basic conservation. It was also talking about this is how we're contributing to that. Mm. And also this is how we can save them. Yeah, This is what we can do. They had Komodo dragons and they had, they're starting a breeding program for Komodo dragons at this zoo. That's fucking sick. Which is so dope. But they were also talking about why they need to do that. Why is there a breeding program that is required? Because these animals are running out of space. They're being encroached upon. Yeah. And so it's this kind of like reminding us that we are a part of the system, but we're also able to now help these animals as much as we can. And zoos serve such an important function in that way. Yeah, the parts of our brain that make us so capable of destruction are also making us capable enough to rescue shit. Also, they have done studies that show that zookeepers actually, people who visit zoos leave with a more empathetic mindset towards animals. Yeah, okay. Because they've been exposed to them in a way and they've been able to see them behave like animals. Yeah, right, because of the context. Because of the the context of the zoo space, whereas people who, like, non-visitors tended to have a negative view of zoo animals in that way. And also people who visit zoos tend to view them as more po- as a more positive space than if before because of the nature right okay so this is this is a bit of a controversial one because like i have this particular memory um, of going to a conservation zoo in chile the first time i was there in 2019 in santiago and uh, i was vegan at the time and publicly like quite voiced about that before i started getting health issues and had to kind of gradually stop um but I remember getting these messages because I took a photo and just like, hey, I'm at this zoo, I'm checking this out. And a bunch of messages from people, other vegans were going, they call yourself a vegan, a zoo is this, a zoo is that. And like that kind of, I hate that kind of hardline shit, no matter who you are. But in this context, it seems particularly ironic given that fact that you've just said that it's like when people go to these zoos and they see these animals in this in their habitat and see how they behave, they walk away with more empathy for animals than otherwise 
the very idea that, say, a vegan, someone who is an advocate for animal rights and animal protection would be against that on mm. principle because of information that's probably a little bit outdated is a bit shit. Yeah. Um, or hardline, as you said. because you know, Hardline like, anything sucks. Like, it's really worth he saying He said that. hardlining that. <laughs> <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> Only a Sith. Oh, my God. It was like three people trying to make that joke all the one. Yeah, because obviously it's worth it's worth saying that there's those terrible cage sort of zoos. Oh, those still they exist. still exist. Um, you know, the US has a serious problem. Oh, with it. fucking the US oh, needs the to look at themselves for a lot in, of reasons. <laughs> roadside zoos as well. Like it's, it's fucking just horrendous. There and also your just ability to buy exotic animals as a as a private citizen is fucked. Yeah, and so, us, like that's a whole situation. But you have to go to one of these places and see the work that's happening at. Australia Zoo, Melbourne Zoo, Adelaide Zoo, and mm-hmm. you can't walk away and think these people don't care about these animals. These people care mm. so much about these mm. animals. They are the they are so like zookeepers are and conservation people and anyone who works around animals in this context are some of the most passionate mm. uh, advocates for animal rights mm. and for. But they're also talking about it on a holistic level. They're yes. talking about it on a eco- ecological scale. Yeah, because. It's not just about protecting one species. It's about protecting all of them and they're all connected to each other. Yeah, you know, I actually learned that the, like, zoos and aquariums have, like, an association in Australia and they they actually organise conservation, zoo-based conservation and with other associations around the world and stuff. And so they, they sort of count the population of all the, say, um, chimps in Australia as, mm-hmm. as one. So, and they work together the on it. The great chimp. So... <laughs> <laughs> As, as a single chip. Can you imagine the mass? Is that of a all metric or imperial chimp? <laughs> <laughs> Although an imperial chimp would be wearing like a big crown and a robe. Was that Star? Are you it doing was. more Star Wars? <laughs> okay. right, we're in Star Wars mode. Okay, that's great. We've moved on from so, Jesus' shit <laughs> to a beautiful success story in Australian zoos and conservation. Yes. Tell us. So he, last year in 2022, the Rockhampton Zoo, henceforth known as the Rocky Zoo. Oh, <laughs> the Rocky Zoo had a little baby chimp. And it was the first chimp to be born in Australia in do you have a photo? about 50 years. I do not have a oh photo. My God. Because it would also be, quite frankly, irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> Samantha. I just want to see it. I want to see the baby. Um, and that's very, very nice. <laughs> Um, and but the actual story of how that those chimps, the family of chimps, sort of got to Rocky Zoo is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. So back in the 1980s, um, two guys were basically trying to found the Rockhampton Zoo. Um, there were Tom Wyatt who was setting up Rocky Zoo, and there was Jim Weber who was the then mayor of Rockhampton. Now they found out that there were two chimps down on the Gold Coast, so about probably six seven hours drive from Rockhampton. Um, who were going to be put down. Um, and it was for no reason. It was basically bureaucratic nonsense. Um, and it's a sad story too, because these two chimps actually had come from the, enter- you know, quote unquote, entertainment see, industry. Right. Oh. So they... they it's just a tragic story from start to finish there. They were going to be put down, <laughs> but they weren't. Um, because these two guys, reminding that one of them is a mayor of a place, um, drove down and like, Busted them out. Are you fucking shitting me? Wait, I'm like not literally like stole them? Well, it, they didn't have to because the vets didn't want to put them down either. Oh. So they were already talking with the vets and they were like, oh, oh no, good. Oh, don't, no, don't they took them. Oh, goodness no. gracious. Yeah. The door was unlocked somehow. <laughs> Illegal things. <laughs> so they just drove down and like, 
again, like this is just two guys in like a you know little car just <laughs> driving down for like a long time. Yeah. Do you reckon they would have preferred to be called Wyatt and Weber or Weber and Wyatt? Which is catchy. Wyatt and Weber. Wyatt one. and Weber. No, second one's better. Weber and Wyatt? No. Weber and Wyatt sounds more like a comedy duo. Yeah, Wyatt and Weber sounds more like a, a blues Wyatt duo. Wyatt and Weber is like a blues so, duo. <laughs> they, but they, they didn't actually... So, okay, here's the next thing that you need to imagine, right? This isn't... They're not putting them in, into a specialized animal ambulance. They're putting them into the back of a fucking car. <laughs> so <laughs> oh, the chips God. have to be Jesus dosed because they were already dosed. Yeah. Um, what, what am I trying to say? They were like sleep, sleepy yeah. time. Yeah, they were sedated. The, the drugs, sedated. Thank you. <laughs> they, they were dosed, they sleepy time. Okay, thank you, Sam. No wonder you're not wearing the fucking hat today. <laughs> fucking mess. Yeah, yeah, so they were sedated and they had to race to get them back before they woke up because you see a chimp just waking up uh, probably emotionally oh, unstable oh my, chip in the back oh of your car fucking God. would be a bad thing to look at. Man. Um, so they were booking it up the fucking To make matters uh, more stressful, Bruce. the enclosure wasn't up finished the yet. Bruce Highway. <laughs> the enclosure was, wasn't finished. Oh, so God. they weren't trying to stay in communication with people who were um, finishing this like wooden enclosure for them how because they the can't f- just put them in a room. <laughs> like. yeah. Guys, how about the fence? Is the fence done? Is the fence finished? That's probably the most important. Is the fence done? They can climb trees. So they have to do it in like five, six hours real fast. Do they have a moat? (laughs) (laughs) Because they needed one. So those two little guys. They have names? The the champs. Yes. They are Cassius and Octavius. Or Cassie and Oki for short. That's so Um, Oki has sadly passed away since, but Cassie is alive at the age of 52. Right now. Oh my God. He's he's alive. Yes, he's the oldest champ in Australia. Um, and when the two men, they returned to, as a reunion thing, as like part of the Rockhampton Zoo, yeah. and he recognised them. Really? And he was really, really, it was really, really excited. And um, he sort of kissed their hand. Oh, what? Um, and what do then you just mean? went about his business. Was, and there's this old chimp man in this. Jesus of fucking Christ, what do you mean? And, and so apparently chimps, the, and there's. <laughs> Samantha's crying. <laughs> Samantha's so, crying. So the. <laughs> Uh, you um, did it. You did it. Apparently, chimps have really, really long memories for people, which makes sense because, for like, better humans, and worse, no doubt. <laughs> yes. Never cross, never cross a fucking chimp. Do not make an enemy. Just, and the chimps Rocky. remembered them, and he walked up and he just pulled his fucking head from his body. He was just like, <laughs> oh "That's God. for putting me in your fucking car, your bullshit car with the springs in the back." No, nope, they were the guys fucking who saved their your life. cushions, you dog. What? <laughs> um, yeah, so they have really long memories because, you know, they're like social animals like us. They have really big groups. Yeah. So that makes sense. And so apparently like decades can pass, they'll still remember you. But the thing is, though, is that chimps actually believe that if they haven't seen you for that long, they just think you're dead, which makes sense because in a chimp society, if someone had left, they're dead. Yeah. Why, why <laughs> did they not come back? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not like humans were just like, oh, no, we just they're went to, dead to London. Like, Dude, he's been in London for 30 years. <laughs> See, I'm picturing that as the chimps now because of this. (laughs) Yes, darling, he's been in London for 30 years. So, of course, that's why they get really excited when they see friends from a long time ago because they go like, you're alive. Fuck, I thought you were fucking (laughs) dead. You can't do that to me. Anyway, obviously, these are two male chimps, They didn't have mobile phones back then. It was the 80s. So, the zookeeper, um, Blair Chapman is zookeeper, and he was describing that they need to kind of teach chimps that didn't grow up in the wild how to be chimps. Because they don't right. know. So the two females that they brought in more recently, um, are Samantha and Holly. And the- that's my name. <laughs> and they were real, real awkward. I mean, so Holly was raised as a human by some crazy person or something. Uh, so okay. she wore clothes. What the fuck? So this like <laughs> zoo is like just taking like mistreated chimps and yes. like 
putting them in a place where chimps should live. Yes, and like helping them be like. Nice. She would sit at a what? dinner table and eat human what food. What is wrong with people? Her favorite food was lasagna, and I respect it. I, understand. <laughs> I also respect that because lasagna is Can you imagine delicious. being a chimp just like tasting lasagna for the first time? So means- it's like a pasta cake, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucking delicious. Yeah. So like, as uh, Blair Chapman says, Holly doesn't didn't know what her chimp was. You know, they, they don't even know what a chimp is. So now they're trying to go like, but now they need to mate. Uh, so oh my God. you can imagine like they, if they barely know the behaviors and that's why I just like, when he said, oh, we need to teach them how to live with other chimps. I sort of went, oh, this isn't just about preserving genes, is it? It's about preserving their behavior. Yeah, right. Preserving what it means to be a chimp. you can't just lean over to Holly and go, there, hey, Holly, you should fuck Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should get in there. Uh, get amongst so it. So they brought in two wild raised chimps. Okay. From Israel. Oh, God. Okay. Please tell me this ends well. Do they have names? It ends very, very well. Okay. Um, and <laughs> they helped them because they had like, so they were like, the, I'm picturing them coming in in slow motion with sunglasses on because they're like, they're the cool chimps. See, what I'm picturing is like, like you know the moment, are you? I'm about to say a cultural reference that neither of you will understand, but hopefully some of the listeners will understand. Okay. You know, like in The Bachelor halfway through where they introduce new people? She's <sighs> fucking crazy. <laughs> That's what I imagine is happening. <laughs> There's new people joining the house. That is fucking hilarious because that's probably pretty accurate. <laughs> anyway, it didn't take long and now there's a baby. And now there's a baby. And, Apparently, uh, and but they were really happy about the baby with chimps because it's like a big thing in yeah. their like society. It's a very small thing. It's like yeah. a tiny, <laughs> tiny baby, like a little, mon- little monkey man. But I think that's a beautiful story because basically <laughs> that wouldn't have occurred if these two guys hadn't stolen those chimps yeah, from no, death row. Also, like, did they like, receive any punishment for that or was everyone nope. just like, whatever? <laughs> they are just like, fine. This might as well happen. It's just fucking, I, I'm going to steal some chimps. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a victimless crime. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> yeah. That's fucking so amazing. That's what a beautiful story yeah. that is. So I just want to end maybe with just talking about zookeepers themselves. Right. What are their functions? The human people. How do you become a zookeeper? Yeah. Because I'm certain that there's listeners who are like, now I want to be a zookeeper. <laughs> no, I'm going to do I'm going to tell you how to do it. All right? So... You're going to kidnap your first dad. <laughs> so here's what you got to do. Go to chimp death row. <laughs> so... Um... You, you don't need qualifications. This is the best thing you ever come mm. a zookeeper. You don't need it because you can learn on the job and you can start in a position of basically like kind of assisting a zookeeper for a while and learning on the ropes. But is it this helps. not something that you could get a qualification for? Like what would be the degree? If you were going to get a degree. You could get, okay, so there's varying levels. So you can get a certificate. So in Australia, right. you can get a certificate three in wildlife and exhibited animal care. Okay. That's or, very specific. <laughs> yes. You can also get diplomas um, in animal studies and animal care. So you can, there's actual certificates, courses, and like diplomas that you can do in kind of zoo specific Care. Is any of that help going to train you to tackle a crocodile? Yeah. No. And actually, the way the Australia Zoo runs that is you actually have to go through quite an extensive training program to even interact with a crocodile. Unless in you're any like Steve way. and his kids yeah, who did it from no, the age of six. Robert Irwin only got his croc license when he turned 18. Can I just say that? Steve a croc license, croc license sounds like you... Can, like a Bunsen burner license? No, more just like you're not allowed to wear shitty footwear until a certain <laughs> I mean, that should also be a rule. Um, but you can also get a bachelor's degree in like zoology, veterinary nursing, biology. Okay, yeah, right, things. makes sense. Yeah. And so there's no like zookeeper degree. but mm-hmm. And that's why there's a lot of different paths to getting into this sort of field. So you can either come from you are a, a veterinarian, so you're then working in a zoo as a person who takes care of the, care of the animals. Mm-hmm. You're a zoologist. Yeah. And so you kind of understand um, sort of 
animal ecology, animal sociology, and you're kind of coming at it from that perspective, or you're just doing almost like an apprenticeship yeah, in the position. You're a passionate person who's who cares about animals. Find a specialization yeah. on the go. Yeah, and you just sort of learn as you go. And I think that that's really, really important because the responsibilities of zookeepers is so wide ranging. You think of it as just being like, you just feed the animals and you fuck off for the day, but like, yeah. <laughs> they, they because of the care that is going into the zoos and the fact that like animal sociology is becoming a part of, of an integrated part of the practice. There's like not just caring for the body of the animal, but caring for the mental capacity of the animal yeah, is right. so yeah. ingrained in that. So there's a lot of, for the more sociable animals, there's a lot of like interaction and like almost like playing that you have to do with them mm. in order to keep them like kind of well-rounded. Yeah. Mentally stimulated. Happy yeah. And, you know, um, and you also have to like ensure that they're being fed on time and you have to make sure the enclosure's clean. And I, I don't know if you guys have seen the photos of the people who have to clean the panda enclosures and they're just climbing <laughs> all over them. I haven't. That <laughs> sounds, so, sounds like the best day. So funny because the, basically the pan, the, like the big pandas just climb them <laughs> and like try and get on them. There was a strange obstacle. And then they way. like, and they have to move them. So they like pick them up and put them over there and then they just kind of move yeah, back and to like, where they were. I think they're like brushing leaves into like a bucket and then they just keep jumping into the <laughs> <laughs> Hooray! Which is very cute. It's like trying to clean a kindergarten at 10 a.m. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And then, like, one of the other really large parts of their job is taking tours, talking about the animals with patrons, ex- educating people um, the entire time that they're there, answering questions, dealing with that. Mm. Um, and it's all, like, your whole day is just fucking moving, moving, moving. You're just, like, I've got a whole schedule here of what a typical day of a zoo looks like and it's fucked and I (laughs) it's like this person is just like they have a meeting then they go to the food and then they um, collect eucalyptus for the koalas they feed the emus and kangaroos they then feed the koalas and then they gotta clean the koalas and they go to the orange belly palette cleaning a koala would be hell (laughs) (laughs) but it would be Um, so calm filthy creatures and that's just between the hours of 8am and 10.45am nice and then they gotta go and they gotta do the wallabies and the 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 (laughs) crocodiles. Yeah. Feed the crocodile, run from the crocodile, die by crocodile, or live. Or live. Or live. I just like, my biggest question that I have for zookeepers is, do you guys take turns dealing with the cassowaries? Or is it like a, <laughs> or is it like a, the, the is there like a straw. sacrificial <laughs> person that you have? Or like, Jesus how does Christ. that work? Because um, yeah. having had someone stare directly into my soul. Yeah. I am never... Did, I feel smaller than I did before I looked into a cassowary's eyes. They're fucking scary. Um, I think we might tie it up there. I think yeah. that's fucking awesome. I'm, I'm like, I'm so glad and so relieved <laughs> that this has ended the way that it has, that it's taken the journey <laughs> that it has. And of course, in a lot of places in the world, it hasn't and it's still fucked up, but at least on the whole, and we can speak for Australia when we say that our conservation efforts are extensive and fucking like far reaching beyond just the conservation zoos that we have, but by the impact that we've had on the globe, thanks to advocates like Steve Owen and Terry Owen and their family. And of course, all the others that aren't as famous by name. Um, and I'm thrilled to say that. Yeah. Especially given now that we know that these these first zoos that are similar in structure to the zoos that we have now were built more on, on drama and not caring about the animals. But by doing that, people who have gone to these zoos and seen them in these situations and walked away with accidentally more empathy for animals leading to a cascade that leads to <laughs> cons- conservation yeah. zoos now is, is just a fucking awesome story. And I'm glad that that's happened, even if it did happen by accident. So that's fucking great. Thank you, guys. And thank you all for listening. 
Um, Samuel, can you apologize to Samantha for making her cry with that story? <laughs> Genuinely made me cry. I will apologize for nothing. <laughs> uh, also, you know that I can't. I can cry the cutest things. So. Like standing, a picture of a duckling. Don't talk Sam about that. Sam is standing his ground like an orangutan with his head stuck in the tie swing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here, guys. Awesome to have you with us once again. Can't wait to share even more with you towards the end of season two. But for now, it's time to say goodbye from me and these Sams. Goodbye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Take care of each other, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.